Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions Podcast. He's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. We are back a week hiatus of letting it it kind of soak in after losing the NFC Championship game to the San Francisco 49ers after being up 24-7 at the half. I thought we had it in the bag. I really did. Um, shame on me. I was counting chickens before they hatch. But Scott, my man, how are you? Been a week? I'm doing well. How are you? Back from Mobile. Tell everybody about your experience. Yeah, no, look, it was great. Um, it, it's always a great experience. It's it's great talking with scouts. It's great talking with with people like ourselves in the media and, and people that do podcasts and radio and just getting to talk with the players. It's just a great atmosphere down there in Mobile. The weather was perfect. Uh, it was the best weather that I have had down there. Every single year, it always rains at least one day or part of a day. And this one, not a single rain cloud, nothing. It was sunshine. It got sunburned. Um, still kind of sunburned, as you can probably tell. And it was just, it was great. It was a great time down there. Um, it was great being able to watch the game down there at the bar with my buddy Nick Faber of the Honolulu Blue. So shout out to him and, and his podcast. But it just, it was great. It was a, it was a great experience. And I'm happy to be back, though. It's nothing like being home in your own studio, getting ready to go or own family room, whatever. But um, it's it's great. I'm excited. Um, and I, I, we like we were talking before the show. I don't know, if, guys, if we really want to get into detail about the NFC title game. I think we've done that to a, a great extent detail and extent here on the podcast as far as just on the network in itself so other people have handled you know the what happened in in that game so we don't really we're in the off we're in it's off season time so draft mode you know we're just going to kind of move past what happened um obviously still it doesn't take away from how great the season was but we're we're now in off season mode yeah uh so we're gonna we're just gonna we're going to get moving in, in that direction. I think this yeah. is where, uh, you know, there's a, there's so this, this is going to be a really interesting draft. Um, it's, it's really top heavy, you know, and I, I don't know if it, if there's some COVID kind of stuff still lingering into, you know, like the, ba- like rounds, round six and seven in this, maybe five, six and seven in this draft is just going to be strange. Yeah. You know, cause it's kind of, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of back end talent in the draft, but it, you know, in, the, in round one, man, the, you know, I don't remember. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a really interesting draft. There's between the offensive line, the tackles, the wide receivers, obviously all the quarterbacks up top. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild, wild, uh, you know, first night of the draft. We'll see, you know, obviously down the road, we'll see how it goes, but 
we're moving on to the off season and uh you know i wish it, i wish it was uh i wish we were doing one more pre yeah. preview but you know we can only control what we can control a hundred percent no and look i i as, as great as being in the Super Bowl it would be, I would be on pins and needles every single day uh, for the last two weeks, just thinking about where the Lions have, where they were to where they've gone. And it look, it was a great season. 12 wins, division title, two playoff games, NFC title game. I mean, you can't draw it up any better. And now they we, we know what the expectation is with this group. And as long as this group stays together of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and the coordinators of Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn and Jared Goff, and if all of those things stay together, the expectation is division or bust and playoff win or bust. And like, if if you lose in the second round of the playoffs, guys, so be it. It is what it is. Like, as long as they continue to give us the success that we're seeing now, we're good. Like, no doubt, I want a Super Bowl, but it's hard to win in the playoffs. And what they did this year is just remarkable. And maybe it's luck. Maybe it's skill. It is what it is. But we now have to focus on the offseason because we've got 20, unre- 20 unrestricted free agents. We've got 32 total free agents on our, our talent pool in the roster of Detroit. That's with exclusive right free agents, um, restricted free agents. The exclusive rights guys are more so like practice squad guys and yeah. and those types of things. But just an interesting um, structure to the roster. And that's really what today's show is going to be about is looking at the overall structure of the roster, setting the table for key positions that we want to highlight during the draft. And we're going to talk about all the positions during the draft, probably outside of quarterback, I would assume. Um, but yeah. we want to set the the kind of the table and, and that will shift into what we want to focus on when it comes to the combine draft preview and free agency. And I think we'll, we'll get through a lot of great stuff tonight and, and for the weeks ahead until we get to the draft. Cause Scott and I, that's how we met. We're draft guys. Like that's just, yeah. we, we, we love the draft and, and a lot of that is because of the Lions' unsuccessful seasons in the past. Like that's why we found it because they were they were always picking so early. It was exciting. It yeah. Was cool. yeah, it was our Super Bowl, and now it's like this is just a different spin. And I've never had to do this, and I we've never neither one of us have had to do it from a successful standpoint. So just just kind of looking at like unrestricted free agents. They've got twenty on there, and I'm not going to name them all, but. Uh, Lions social media pages dropped them about 30 minutes ago here on a Wednesday night of a list of players. And that's what we're going off of. So you can check it out at DetroitLions.com. But 20 unrestricted free agents. This list includes CJ Gardner-Johnson, Graham Glasgow, Jonah Jackson, uh, Jalen Reeves-Maben, Josh Reynolds. But we know we're not bringing all these guys back. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's not coming back. He's retired. But I, I mean, out of the, the list of guys that we that you're seeing... Who are some guys that you feel like aren't going to be back, and who are guys that you you feel like we need to bring back? So I, I mean, it's the premier, the premier player for where the roster is is Graham Glasgow, to me, and you know because of his positional versatility, um, he was really good as a guard this year. The Ragnow stuff is, uh, you know, the injuries have really they're wreaking havoc on his body. And it's just a matter of, you know, how much longer can he continue to do this kind of stuff? But having a guy like Glasgow in the mix to put, to start as a guard for you while also being capable enough 
to play as your backup center and give you, you know, adequate play is going to be important because it's possible. There's, you know, another Jonah Jackson's another guy who I, you know, I don't know what to expect, but it's possible the Lions have to replace, you know, in a in an awful scenario, two guards, um, in the draft where you know if Ga- Glasgow plays to a point where somebody really wants to pay him, and you could understand that he played he played to a pretty high level this year. You know, it's just a matter of does he want to stay here? Does he want to still be here? Um, you know, I, I think you can you can replace a guard. I think, and in this particular draft, you know, pick a pick a round. You can find a you know a stud in and and just about every round. And there's some small school guys. There's there's some big name dudes. There's some conventional ways to do it. There's unconventional ways to do it. It's probably the way I would go about it. Um, if a player like um, I'm probably jumping the shark. Jump! I'm going too far ahead. But if a player like Kingsley Suamataya. And I know I'm not saying it right, but if he's there in round one and you That's take it and you play him as, as a guard in between Sewell and, and, and Ragnow, or you play him at, or you let him play on the left side where Jonah Jackson played, I think that guy gives you so much physicality and so much um, playmaking athleticism while being a huge guy. Uh, that would intrigue me greatly, but I also understand that that's not a great use of resources. Um, but I only bring it up because we just don't know what's going to happen with Glasgow and Jonah Jackson. So the two guards kind of, to me, stand out. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, Jr. to me is, I mean, it's a big, he's a, I don't know what your vibe is with him. Do you? Would you want to bring him back? I mean, I like the edge he provides. I just think, I think there's some redundancy with what they already have. Yeah. Uh, although I would, I would think it would be great for him to come back. And then um, there's Josh Reynolds on that list, and it's an important position, the number three uh, receiver position. This is a great draft. If you need a receiver, this is a great draft. You need one. Uh, Dan Skipper, swing tackle. You know, um, you mentioned it before. Tell him, I mean, you, you have your own feelings about him. It's funny, <laughs> but it's super spot Yeah. And then Jalen yeah. Reeves Maven, I think, has emerged as as their coverage linebacker. And I think he's it's a priority they get him signed. Which 100%. is crazy to think about, but I really that's I think it's a priority they sign him. Nothing crazy, but he's 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 carved out a role and I think he's you know, he played to a level where he they should they should bring him back. What I mean, what are your thoughts on on some of those guys and, and maybe other names I didn't bring up? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of guys um, because, like, Anthony Ferkser, I don't think he's coming back. J- Jake McQuaid, I don't think he's coming back. Baitai, he's not coming back. He's done. Um, you know, Badgley, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, I'd be surprised if he came back. If he did, it's a one-year deal. So, like, yeah, Kendall Vildor and Emmanuel Mosley, if they come back, they're one-year deals. I would be surprised if there's anything further. Matt Nelson... Again, one-year deal, but you can move on with that because he was nothing more than a depth piece, a swing tackle, and a special teamer. And you can find those later in the draft or as a UDFA. I mean, they have success finding some of these guys, but I'm with you. Glasgow and Jonah Jackson are the, the, the cream of the crop for them on the top of the list. And then I would say Josh Reynolds after that, just simply because you lose those three guys, who knows what 
your offense does after that because you lose two starting guards and a guy that outside of the two drops in the NFC title game was pretty spot on this year for a number three receiver. Yeah. And he's done a he's done a really good job kind of reemerging in the NFL and, and resurging his career in a sense. So I I would think Reynolds will be back and I would think it would be on a relatively cheap deal. But again, who I, it's hard to say what these guys are looking for in personal interest and ultimately the the dollar value. What do they think they're worth? I mean, I might say he's only worth $5 million a year, but he might think he's worth eight and he might get $8 million a year from some team. I doubt it, but he might, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the unknown of, of where we are. I, you know, what's interesting is the number of drops, as, as reliable as, as he is in the regular season, it is super fascinating to look at his drop rate in the playoffs. Yeah. It really is. And it's like, you know, you don't want to crush a guy or, you know, any of that stuff. But, and then, you know, I think there was a little bit of uh, what Dan Campbell alluded to, um, just being able to cut ties from players that you have an emotional investment with. Yeah. And they should have an invo- emotional investment with, with Reynolds because not only did he resurrect his career, but he really, he really helped Jared Goff in a time where, Goff was not playing well. Yeah. And Goff needed, he needed help. And Adam Reynolds gave that to him. Yeah. So, you know, acknowledging what, what Reynolds was, was capable of doing what he did here uh, while also understanding that maybe I mean, I like Reynolds. I think he's a, I think he's a, a very, he's a, he's a good number three. Yeah. Um, I just, I wonder if it's just time, you know, where, where maybe they part ways and, then you look in the draft, right? And there's there's a bunch of players in the draft. Um, we'll get to those. We'll get to the, to those guys shortly. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's the positions. That, uh, you know, if we just look at kind of both sides of the ball. To me, on offense, it's offensive line, and then filling in. You know, potential spots where you you you, you know, if Reynolds leaves, then all right. Well, then you need to draft a receiver. Uh, and I know that there are players that we're going to like. In this class, um, so it's O line and, and receiver, and then I think on on defense, it's just about everything. It's you could use another interior guy. You could yeah. you definitely need an edge player. Yep, you definitely need a a corner or two. Yeah, um, I don't know that you need safeties at this point. We don't no. know what's going on with Derek Barnes, so you know I could see them trying to find somebody maybe in say round you know the later part of the draft. You know, as a depth player, but to me, it's you know, corners and and pass rushers are are where I would I would think they would be spending a lot of their time looking. You know, when it comes to you know evaluating players. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. And and to kind of circle back to Josh Reynolds, his market value on SpotRack.com uh, is seven million dollars per year. So they're estimating that he's probably going to get about a two-year deal at $14 million. Some comparable deals. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling's got a three-year deal at $30 million. Tim Tim Patrick's got a three-year deal at $34 million. I kind of like the Devontae Parker one at two years, $10.8 million. So, I mean, if you can give him a Devontae Parker type deal, I yep. think that that would be great. Cedric Wilson, even, um, which is a seven point three million dollar cap hit, average salary at three years, 
$22 million. So um, yeah, from, a, from a production standpoint, he's right in line with those types of guys. And that's where those numbers come from. So 28-year-old receiver, you bring him back on a two, three-year deal, I think it's okay. Obviously, if you give him one, that's fine. But if they don't bring him back, I think it pushes the need for wide receiver up the board a little bit. But we know that this team works a little bit differently. They don't go off of just need and, and guys like myself and the media and you, what we're talking about, they go off of what they feel is a good football player that is going to help them. So I think they'll value Josh Reynolds. I think they'll value Glasgow. I think Glasgow will be back. I don't know about Jonah Jackson. I think Gardner Johnson will be back, to be completely honest, um, just simply because he's he's adopted kind of the identity of the team and of the city. And I think he likes it here. I really think he does. Um, and he has struggled to find a fit in the NFL. And yeah. I think he he gels with this team. I don't know what type of deal he gets, but when you're moving on from a Charles Harris, a Will Harris, a Vitae, you're going to clear up some cap space. Yeah. Romeo Cora, he's out. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he came back. Um, again, Dan Skipper. Have some money. They'll be able to, to do some yeah. things, but but they definitely have some in-house players that are, to me, should be first and foremost, before we even look outside, we need to take care of this. Yeah. You know, players well, that are here and deserve to, to, you know, to be paid. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, as I, as you mentioned, Dan Skipper, that's going to be the Don Mulback of this, of this team. <laughs> he is going to get w- one-year deal after one-year deal, and he's going to be a part of this thing for a while, just chipping away until he doesn't want to anymore. But yeah. the restricted free agents are Scott Daly, Khalil Dorsey, Jerry Jacobs, Benito Jones, Anthony Pittman, and Brock Wright. I think three of those guys will be back for sure. Brock Wright, Benito Jones, and either Dorsey or Jacobs. I think... All three, three of those will come back. Benito yeah. Jones should be back. He's a great depth piece. Uh, Brock Wright has earned another contract here as a backup tight end. Yeah. So they've got exclusive right free agents with James Houston, uh, Zonovan Knight, Chase Lucas, Craig Reynolds, and Shane Zilstra. So um, I think Reynolds will be back. I think even Chase Lucas will be back. You would hope. James Houston's back. I don't. I don't understand the whole exclusive rights thing. So my my fault, folks. I I don't. I think that has to do with the fact that those guys were cut. Um. Okay. And then re then then came back and resigned. So there's they you know those aren't like they're not still on their rookie deals. So yeah, they're not unrestricted where they can go out and get the Lions get they get first. Yes. Try bring them. Or move on from them, and then and then you know they can go, they can go sell themselves elsewhere. Um, well, James Houston would be an interesting one because it sure does not feel like he's coming back. I'm going to be honest; like I don't know if he's coming back. I hope he is. I really do. Uh, I hope so. But the broken leg just 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 I mean it just imploded the season. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't love what they, you know, I don't, I don't love dropping him off into coverage and running him down, you know, with, with running yes. backs on wheel routes. Yes. I don't love that, but no, what, that, you know, that's neither here nor there. We'll, uh, we'll move on. But I, you know, I think I, I hope he comes back. I really do. Cause they need yeah. a player like that. who's just, a, just an assassin where, you know, he gave you eight and a half sacks two years ago. I think it was eight and a half. And man, you know, that was such a boost for their, for their defense when they really needed it. We'll no, I, look, I, I would love to see him back, but just listening to Holmes and Campbell and some of the things that they've 
kind of said just i'm trying to read between the lines and it just it it did not sound a few weeks ago like he was close to coming back or that he was preparing himself the correct way to come back yeah maybe i'm maybe i'm reading too much into that but we'll see um I, again, I hope he's back. And, and again, maybe it's a one-year deal. Maybe it's a two-year deal. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But to kind of put a bow on on the roster structure, sitting here right now, if the draft was tomorrow or if free agency was tomorrow, the biggest needs are corner, interior offensive line, wide receiver, and, and defensive end. I think we can all agree there, right? Like if they can somehow with their seven draft picks and the cap space that they have, if they can find a way to to kind of put it together with those guys I, I, or those positions, I think they 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 would be trending in the right direction. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, and and I would you know even if a player like let's say Jonah Jackson decides he wants to go chase big money somewhere, I, I, as long as you bring Glasgow back, I think you look your offensive line looks fine. Yeah, and and then it's you know what's going on with Colby Soresdale, you know is. Has he has he grown enough for them to think that he might be able to play for them at left guard? If not, you know that kind of pushes that that need, um, you know, up a little. But you know, this is a, it's a great draft for yes. uh, you know I, you and I both like Graham Barton a lot from He'd Duke. Be great. He would be you know the I mean he is your you know your kind of your extra swing player who can play inside he could also be he could also play center so yeah you know i mean there's that's a player that you're probably you might prioritize in a, in a scenario where if glasgow walks away you might need to look at barton in round one just yeah. because because of the ver- of the versatility but you know we all we all need to approach this as it's a very different it's a very different uh makeup the roster is I don't want to say finished. It's not finished, but no. this is now, you know, you're, you need to be picking off really good players. Um, I mean, you know what it's like, you, you know, the top of the draft in round one is all about what a player might become or, you know, uh, the premier receivers, that kind of stuff. But when yeah. you get into the mid twenties and the late twenties, you're, you're getting really good football players. Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to come in. They're going to come in and play, you know, at a good level for you right away. Um, you know, just it'll be interesting to see to see what happens with what the with where they decide to go. But yeah, I mean, if free agency was tomorrow, I would hope that we would hear about Glasgow right away. We would hear, you know, maybe they went after one of Kansas one of the Kansas City cornerbacks that they didn't sign. You know, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. A Legarius Sneed in, in a Lions uniform would be would be spectacular. Yeah, you know, and it's so. It would be great if his contract was structured very similar to Cam Sutton as well, a three-year deal that's essentially two years. And I think that's the key too, is like just putting trust in Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and this whole, this just whole group on how they structure these contracts. And like, I don't believe in overspending in free agency and like, I need to sign this guy, this guy, this guy. Like I see all these things of like photoshops of like the Lions should sign this guy and this guy. And I'm like, that's not how good football teams are built. Yeah. Like you don't overspend in free agency and expect it to be good. The hit rate, and we talked about this on our last show, the hit rate from Brad Holmes in the draft is remarkable over a three-year span. And what we're seeing from from this team being able to draft so well is 
just it's incredible. And I think it gives us the confidence as a fan base and as guys that analyze the team. This this is going to be a good draft for this team, just because the history has shown it. And I'm excited to dive into some of the prospects. So we'll, we'll obviously see what happens with the combine in two weeks. Um, and obviously, from that point on, free agency starts getting going, and and we'll yeah. we'll get into that when it comes. But we're talking prospects, which means we got to talk about our final segment of the show tonight: prospect of the week, powered by our friends over at Restore. You guys have heard me talk about him for several weeks now, and I got to tell you about him again. Restore Hyper Wellness. Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you got kids like myself or Scott, and and they're tired and they're beat up, and they're trying to you know revive their body a little bit, or you're trying to get back in the gym and you're not recovering like you used to. Well, I've got a solution for you. Go check out our friends over at Restore Hyper Wellness here in Northville in Birmingham, Michigan. Um, my son and I, we both go. My wife goes. Um, we're in there all the time, and we we get our bodies right by visiting Restore. They've got everything you need from compressions to cryotherapy, even specialty services such as IV drip therapy. So many great things that they can offer you. You can go and get 10% off now. You can get uh, two cryotherapy sessions for $30. You can save 50% on your first IV. Just tons of great things that you can do. Um, so just go check them out and get a family member, a friend, even yourself, the service you need to restore your body. Tell them I sent you from the Detroit Lions podcast so they can get you taken care of so you can get back and doing more of what you love. Don't wait around. Go check out Restore Hyper Wellness now. You can check them out at restore.com. So uh, prospect of the week, I'll, I'll turn it to you first because I got to put the Restore graphic up, but uh, who's the prospect you've been watching this week that's maybe caught your eye or maybe last week, whenever it is, but who's somebody that, that you you want to highlight tonight? So this this guy was in the, at the Senior Bowl Um and it wasn't. It's not because he was at the Senior Bowl. It's just. It's more of the play style and and, and the things that he he brings. Um, and a lot of people are talking about the Missouri cornerback who missed the Senior Bowl with the core muscle injury. But I'm the guy I'm talking about is there is the is the player who played opposite him. It's uh, Chris Abrams Drain. Um, again, SEC competition. It's this is tough. You know, uh, the problem. Well, so we'll get into the neg- the negatives and talk about the strengths, and then wrap it up with with you know the big picture. Uh, he is he's five eleven and three eighths. He met he weighed one hundred and seventy three pounds at the Senior Bowl. I know you were there. I know you saw him. Um, so can a player who is slight like that live outside? Because to me, you need an outside corner. You know, I think I think they're okay at the nickel corner position with with what they already have on the roster. I think you need an outside corner, so you need somebody who can hold up outside. Um, I think historically, players who are real slight like like he is might have some shoulder kind of you know phys- physical stuff where it's hard for them to hold up against the run. He hits though, so it's not like he's he's not passive. He brings it. He hits. Um. It's interesting watching him play. He has a knack for for knowing where the ball is. He doesn't necessarily have to turn his head to find the ball because he's really good at breaking up uh, passes when he's looking away from the quarterback just by separating a receiver's hands at the catch point. He's really good at that. Yeah. You know, uh, I think he's as athletic as any quarterback 
is in this class. I think he can run. I think he's fast. I think he's quick. I think he's all those things. Uh, I love I love watching him squeeze a receiver into the boundary. I don't think enough corners do that stuff. Like use the boundary as as you know an extra defender. Uh, to me, he looks fiery. He's in the mix all the time. You know, you could see him get bumped around a little bit. Um, South Carolina, Xavier Leggett, he he matched up against a lot, and I would think that Leggett would have kind of banged him around, and he he held up pretty well against him. I was surprised by that. And, you know, I think that in the end with him, it's simply a matter of does his body style and his makeup, the composition of, of his frame, uh, do you buy into his ability to play outside? So that's there's some unknowns there, but he's flashing, and I kind of like I like the way he looks just in coverage, how sticky he is. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am with him. Um, we're gonna do this kind of stuff where where we're gonna talk for a few minutes about a player and then go back and watch more and see if you know is is there anything that pops? He's not quite like Emmanuel Mosley was last year. Who went in the first round? I was surprised he went in the first round because he was, he was small, super skinny. Yeah, like you know, I, I want to. I think he was taller than than uh, than Abrams Drain, and skinnier, and very productive, just like Abrams Drain is. But um, yeah, I mean, I, to me, I think he is a you know a middle day two, maybe you know a third round kind of player. I, it's so early, who knows? You know, but yeah, so that's uh, that's my guy. Who you got? Well, I, I like that you bring up, uh, I call him KAD, uh, Chris Abrams strain, but I mean, we got two third round picks. We got a late second round pick. So I think he's very much in the cards. Uh, and I think much of that is if they pass on the player I want to talk about, and that's Kamari Lassiter of Georgia, who I watched him early in the year and I was just like, okay, a good player has some physicality, but just wasn't really doing it for me at that particular time. And then I got talking to a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show, Brett Whitfield of Fantasy uh, Points, and he's a data guy for them. And he's just, he's a great follow, check him out. But um, was talking to him down at the Senior Bowl, and then we we text each other every now and again about players. And he asked me about Kamari Lasseter, and he's like, I think he'd be a good fit in Detroit. And he got my brain spinning. So I've been like four or five games deep in, and I think he's absolutely right. Uh, with the cover three stuff, the cover one stuff that we do, on, on our secondary, Kamari Laster does it identical to what we do defensively, but I think he would be a, an A-plus fit here because of that. And he's super physical at six foot, 180 pounds. You watch um, on my, my Twitter page, I dropped a highlight of it today, um, but he absolutely drills Xavier Leggett, a six foot one, 220 pound receiver. And just, I mean, just lights him up, perfect form tackle, and he's got it all over. Against Kentucky, he does it. Uh, against Alabama, he does it. I mean, his form tackling is is phenomenal, and I think the Lions are going to take a liking to a guy that has those run fits on the perimeter like that. Now, lim- limited ball skills as far as, you know, he, he's not like Quinion Mitchell where he's got 46 pass deflections in a three-year span. He's only got 14. He's only got one career interception. A lot of that is because he turns his head late, but if he gets to work with Dre Bly and he gets to work with Aaron Glenn, um, I think maybe we'll see some improvements there. His biggest issue, just coverage-wise, is once he flips his hips and he essentially face guards the receiver, he's set on that. He's not 
going to reopen his hips and start running back in stride. So like if a if a cor- or if a receiver is going to run a post move, he's biting on the post move. And if it's a post corner, he might give up some separation there, but he closes well. And just the, the ability for him to lock guys up and press man, it, it really stands out. He's a multi-sport athlete, uh, was, a, was a track and field kid back in high school. Uh, his fastest 100 meter time, which is not great by any means, but his faster, fastest 100 meter time was 12 seconds. So, I mean, he's he's going to run, you know, probably in the four five range, hopefully a yeah. sub four five range because uh, again, he was younger then, but he played baseball, basketball. So like he's a, he's a dual sport athlete. I, I just think at 21 years of age, he just turned 21. I think back to Panay Sewell, right? When we drafted him, he was only like 20 years of age. And it's like, these are core guys. And yeah. I think Kamari Lasseter at 29, if he's there, makes a lot of sense. Let's and I'm just going to throw a hypothetical out there as we kind of as we kind of put a bow on this. But if let's say he gets invited to Detroit for the first round, and we see this every year, a guy sits in the green room. He sits in the green room just like Brian Branch did a year ago, just like we've seen other guys. We open up the second day of the draft. Let's say the Lions move out of 29 to like pick 34, and a team like New England trades up for Michael Penix. We get pick 34, another day two pick in there somewhere. Patriots get their quarterback. We get to 34 and Lassiter is our guy. I just, that screams something that Brad Holmes and the Lions would do. And I just, I I love the fit and I've, I've fallen in love with this player. He's going to be a top 25 player for me. Um, and that's not because of, of a bias to the Lions. It's just his tape is really that damn good. So yeah, I I love the player. I love the fit. And I, that's my, my prospect of the week here powered by Restore. So it's going to be interesting how they how they decide they want to resolve that position. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, you trust Brad Holmes to find talent specifically at that position. Yeah. Um, they need, they need a playmaking outside corner, maybe more than they need anything. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, they have the 29th pick. Quinion Mitchell would be, it would be awesome if he fell that far, but you know, it'd be awesome if I sprouted a bunch more hair that I don't have. Like, come on, it's not going to happen. So, you know, uh, it's, it'll be super interesting to see how they, what they, where they end up and who they target. Uh, it'll be more about your, the way you're describing it. It's more about a off the field fit. All anybody they're considering in round one, uh, all these corners are going to be super talented athletically. They're all going to be really, you know, elite athletes. It's just, what is their makeup? And right. it's not necessarily stuff that we're going to get. We're going to get into, um, but it's 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 where the lions are going to go. And you know, he definitely he would be a player that I would be excited about if they if they chose to go that way. Because you know, if you're buying into that, he's he's. I mean, there's some dog there, so it's yeah. good. It's good. It's yeah, really good. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And I'm with you. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people are going to say. And I, I probably should not open this conversation, but I know a lot of fans are going to say we have never drafted a corner this high and this, this, and that. And Brian Branch was more of like a just a, a weapon more so than anything else to the secondary. And that's that's true. We've done things kind of more of a traditional way, building in the trenches first and and taking yeah. more skilled guys offensively. But just because we haven't done that yet does not mean we we won't do it here in a few months for the 29th pick. Like there's. There is no way that anybody should look at anything Brad Holmes has done and and think that there is a, a 
a trend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. this is the way Brad Holmes. Well, there is, but it doesn't mean that he. It doesn't mean that you know you can you can eliminate some positions just because it's Brad. No, you, they're going to find really good football players. Period. We yeah. we have three years of proof of that. And if anybody really wants to look at like look at the draft, his first draft. Yeah. Look at the 2021 draft. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think they, there's a couple players on there. Jamar Jefferson that you took in round seven. Okay. But, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. That's the only guy. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot there. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's where I'll, I'll leave it. I, I I think that, you know, there's some trust that's that we absolutely should have now uh, with Holmes. And, and I'm interested and intrigued to see the process they take to get them to the draft and then what happens during the draft. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, this was a great episode, just setting the table. We'll we'll start diving into some more prospects next week in a position group and, and just start getting going on some draft stuff. Then obviously we'll preview the combine. Uh, and who knows, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll record the show and, and we'll have a kind of a live combine type of thing uh, where the TVs are rolling and we're just kind of sitting here BSing about what, what times we're seeing. I've done that on previous shows, so that'd yeah. be a lot of fun. But um, as always, it's uh, it's always great. You got anything else? We're, you know, we're good. We're good. Sweet. Well, you guys, good of course, can, yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, you guys can rate, review, and subscribe to the Detroit Lions podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter or X at Russ NFL Draft, at Bischoff underscore Scott. He's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. This is another episode of Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! You've had enough of that shit.